Welcome to the Westwick podcast, the podcast for all things startup related. Mary Ryan here today, and I'm joined by Fidelma McGurk, founder and CEO of Payslip. Good morning, Fidelma, and thank you for joining our podcast series. Good morning, Mary. It's great to be with you today. That's great. With over 25 years of international business experience and leadership roles, Fidelma founded Payslip in 2016 in Westport. Payslip provides automation and integration technology to multinational enterprises to manage their global payroll. Could you please start by briefly outlining your business? What does Payslip do? So Payslip is a technology company. Uh, we build um, automation and integration technology that multinational companies use to manage their global payroll. So what that means is that we have built um, a platform that has three portals um, and the employer uses the employer portal to manage all of the process of global payroll across all the countries in which they employ people where they use multiple vendors. So they use different payroll firms in each country to provide payroll calculations and compliance services. So they use the employer portal to manage all of the flow of data, the uh, calendar management, the compliance management, and all of the automated workflow that they need. Then there's also a separate portal that the payroll provider uses for secure access to the data and the provision of reports back to the employer. And thirdly, there's an employer self-service portal which the employee can use to access their payslips. So we sell to um, multinational companies who are in more than five countries. So for example from an Irish context we have great clients like Teamwork based out of Cork, AMCS Group based out of Limerick or even um, older companies such as Combilift based in Monaghan and Fives based out of Dublin. And they all have many employees across many countries and they manage the payrolls across those countries using our platform. Tell us about the initial stages of starting Payslip. Have you always had ambitions to become an entrepreneur? Um, well, I had a background in uh, international business management um, uh, whereby I had been very involved in uh, kind of entrepreneurship. So we set up some new businesses within the company um, and I had done that for like over 20 years um, across different countries. Um, so when I moved to Westport, um, uh, being honest, I, I needed something to do and Westport has a very strong uh, business environment. Um, Allergan is a key employer. The tourism businesses are very strong. And we have strong textile businesses with like Carrick Dawn and Port West here. Um, I didn't really see how I could be useful to any of them. Um, so I sat down and made a list of uh, different business uh, problems that I met in my international business experience in the previous 20 years and looked to see what technology solutions were absent from the market. Um, hence, I identified the global payroll management as an unserved market and decided to set up the business space here in Westport, A, to give myself something to do, but B, because I also felt that it was really a market segment that could be served better and that there was a very good opportunity to build out that technology business here in Westport. And now Payslip is adding to, to Westport's um, already a very healthy lineup of, of startup companies. During the startup process, what problems or issues did you experience and how did you address them? Uh, well, uh, 
I suppose our startup experience is probably very similar to most companies. Um, there's uh, when you're starting up, you're by yourself, and you need to draw on lots of different skill sets to be able to set up the business from the start. Whether it's technical skill sets or uh, sales and marketing or branding, um, so. Um, if you have previous experience setting up businesses as part of another company, you have many of those skill sets available to you by like borrowing some of your colleague time. That doesn't happen when you're starting it from the, from the scratch. So I did have to find um, reliable vendors who were interested in providing services to a startup. Uh, some of the very established providers uh, want companies to be more established as well. So um, that took a little bit of time um, and we did well uh, with that. Um, in terms of uh, registering the business, there's good service providers and legal firms in, in Westport that were able to support that, so there was no problem with the professional services. I did um, tap into expertise that was available uh, in the local enterprise office uh, in Mayo. Uh, John McKee and his team were very good at guiding me in the direction of uh, different supports that were available um, that we used. And then we also started engaging with Enterprise Ireland, as we know that they are a strong supporter for uh, business up in, in Ireland. What key supports did you receive during the startup process? Uh, well, from the local enterprise office, we um, engaged with, I'll have to remember which one, the feasibility um, uh, grant I think we received. Um, and we got great support from John McGee's team in, in the processing of that. We also used the online trading voucher as well. It's very useful for helping to get online. Um, and then we applied for the CSF uh, through Enterprise Ireland uh, in 2016, which is where we engaged with Westpac. Westpac were massively helpful to us. Um, the the procedures that are involved in engaging with uh, like a funding process uh, with any company can be very complicated. Um, Enterprise Ireland has its specific requirements, uh, which I understand very well now that I've been through that. But when you're a startup and you haven't been through that process before, there is a learning involved. Um, now we had very good support in Enterprise Ireland once we were assigned uh, a development advisor called Billy Hanley. Billy's been superbly useful and helpful at all times. Um, we belong. We applied for the CSF in the fintech category, um, and Westpac were absolutely instrumental in helping guide us through that process and support the application for um, the CSF application that we put in. Um, I don't think we would have gotten it without them. Um, they were very helpful. Um, we, we worked very closely with John O'Brennan and, and Mary Ryan herself uh, for that. And then later we engaged with Alton O'Faherty, all of whom were massively helpful and very supportive. Uh, what is the best advice that you've ever received that you can now offer to anyone listening in here who might be an early stage startup or budding entrepreneur? Um, the most, well, I think I think the advice can be a little bit different if you're B2B or B2C. So we're a SaaS company and we sell business to business and the businesses that we sell to are a multinational by definition, which which can make it a little bit difficult for that sales process when when you're a startup, um, and you'll be considered a startup for at least five or six years. So we're still considered a startup, even though we're we're well uh, established at this point. Um, so the advice that I would provide is that if somebody is setting up a software or technology solution and that they're planning to sell into the business environment to sign up uh, ideally 
five or at least two to three um, early adopter uh, businesses from the very start that you uh, use in your product um, development process and refinement and also in your product market fit testing. Um, that will help you shortcut a lot of um, uh, investments that you don't need to make. It will also help you shortcut your sales process and it will also help you in uh, providing evidence to funding, uh, including Enterprise Ireland and VCs of the product market fit that you have and why you are a good investment. That is good advice. Uh, where is the company now, Vidalma, and has COVID-19 impacted or altered the business model significantly? Um, so we're, we're doing well. We uh, closed our Series A funding um, at the end of February this year. Um, that was based on the business plan for the coming years. Uh, and it was based on good evidence of client acquisition in the last two years. Um, we have 35 uh, multinational companies on the platform signed up as clients and they continue to expand um, so COVID-19 impact can hit us if either our clients close down if our sales uh, prospects or leads either close down, reduce their international footprint or reduce their ability to engage in the sales process effectively um, what we have found has happened is we've had uh, one client who um, paused the implementation because of internal resource uh, restrictions. Uh, we've had one client who's in the travel sector and whose revenue went from <clears throat> a multi-million revenue per month to nothing due to COVID. So we provided flexibility to them in terms of the terms. And then otherwise we found that all of the, really nearly all, if not all of the clients that were prospects that we were working with in, in February, March, uh, paused their procurement processes um, for um, a period of time while they settled their team into working from home. Uh, we've seen now that uh, those prospects have uh, restarted the procurement process. So we've had two clients uh, green light uh, the licensing of our platform in the last three weeks, so two very good US clients, uh, one software tech company based in Silicon Valley and one not-for-profit company based in um, in Washington. So that's very good. Has it affected our business model? No. COVID-19 should help our business because we are a cloud SaaS solution for multinationals. And what we have seen happen is that many multinational employers realized when COVID happens, that the current systems that they had in place were uh, not tech enabled and were not suitable for remote access in a secure way. Um, and also that they had not implemented standardized global payroll across their countries. Our platform enables them to achieve all of those three objectives. So we have seen an increased interest in our uh, technology um, from new sources that we wouldn't have had before. Um, and we're working through those leads at the moment. So we would see that it would help grow our sales in 2021 onwards. Well, it's good to hear that COVID-19 has impacted positively on, on your business because so many other businesses and industries have been uh, adversely affected. Just moving on to the whole issue of female entrepreneurship. A study in 2019 revealed that just 20% of Ireland's entrepreneurs are women. As a female founder yourself, do, do you feel that there are more barriers to starting your own business in comparison to your male counterparts? And if so, what are those obstacles? 
I don't feel that I met them, um, but um, I think that fundamentally, when anybody goes to start a business, um, like traditionally, the profile of people, entrepreneurs, was that they were in their 40s because they'd left college, gotten business experience, identified uh, an unserved market need and went to set up a solution. I know that profile has changed in recent years, but but if you are in that profile, which I am, I'm, I'm now mid-40s, um, when you go to set up the business, it means that you are... Um, you're doing a few things. You're um, deciding that you're not going to continue in employed income somewhere else. So then you're stopping your income source. Um, so if you actually are in a family situation, well, that's going to have a direct financial impact on the family. Um, and you need to make sure that the, the financial wellness of the family can continue. So whether it's, it's a man or a woman starting the business, there needs to be uh, that balance there that can sustain the lack of income. So whether you're, you're married or not married, uh, partnered or not partnered, that financial wellness of the individual entrepreneur is is an issue, and you have to consciously decide that you're you're turning off that tap. Um, I think for females, um, we we know from the statistics that you know the um, uh, having. Um, Come out of maternity leave, uh, many females, you know, return to work later. They take extended periods of time, or they may work reduced uh, days. Um, and so, if there's an alternative set up in the family whereby you know the female is supporting the family operation in a way by not working a full five days, it can be very difficult afterwards then to replace those three days of employed income with three days to set up a business because setting up a business is is very difficult it's it's not a part-time activity so I think very often the question I'd have about any entrepreneurship is that there are structures that the person needs on a personal level um, uh, that need to be considered and and it takes a lot of organization to try and have it in a way that can support that um, and and that sometimes can be more tricky where a female has had a more involved role in in the family operation uh, due to family decisions and indeed that would be my experience of working with female founders um, I, I do like your um, reference to turning off the income tap and I think that's something that um, is relevant whether you're male or female starting up a business and, and taking that into consideration um, just from a geographical point of view uh, you moved to Westport and you're, you're, I'd like to hear your experience of starting a business in a rural area such as Westport so my experience has been super in Westport. First of all, I suppose there's a few different levels to it. Um, Westport is is a very strong business town. Um, there are some fantastic um, models of families that have built very strong businesses over the years across the Hughes and Port West and Carrie John, the Cavanaghs and the Super Value chain, the Corcorans across all the hotels. So there's a very strong tradition across in the town, uh, a multi generational tradition of people setting up businesses and spinning off businesses. So what I found when we moved to Westport, I found that you know, it's a small place, Westport, so you, you meet the people who are building and running businesses and they automatically ask you, well, what are you going to do next? So you end up having this kind of positive 
stroke pressure, stroke support for, you know, are you going to think of doing something different? What is that? So I found as a town, they're very supportive. And really, once you decide to set up something, like everybody does want you to succeed because it, it helps it helps Westport if you succeed. It, it validates uh, the setting up of businesses outside of Dublin. Um, so there's a very strong, positive entrepreneurial support culture in Westport is the first thing I would say. From an infrastructure perspective, we have excellent broadband in Westport, both from air and then also from Syro. So now there are some parts outside of the town where, you know, depending where you're living, it's yeah, it hasn't gotten there yet. But in the town itself and in the immediate environs in Westport, it's very, very strong. So like we have fibre to our, our house and we have over 100 megabits to our house. Um, and then and that's available within Westport. Um, and then secondly, on the infrastructure in Payslip, we... Um, took up residence in the Leeson Enterprise Centre. So the Leeson Enterprise Centre is a fantastic facility that was set up as a, a co-setup uh, between the local enterprise office of Mayo and the Chamber of Commerce in Westport. It was a long-term project and it went live in 2017. I was one of the first resident, business residents here in that I was in the co-sharing room. It's based opposite the, um, the train station. And then once I grew the business past myself, I uh, leased one of the larger rooms so that we have workspace in pre-COVID times of probably 12 people, now in COVID maths, like six people. Um, so we had that, that that building available to us as a good office space. And it's, it's really useful because there are multiple businesses in the building now across engineering, across tech startups, across um, a very good corporate travel agent. So there's a very nice uh, business um, network here in the shared kitchen um, and we can all learn from each other. And it's also good for the team that we have other people to mix with uh, across the building um, and it's run by Geraldine Horkin uh, on behalf of the chamber and it's it's run very well so that's a superb facility uh, for uh, people in which to set up the business here in Westport. That, that's, that sounds fantastic Fidona and I, I like the fact that um, the, the, your reference to the multi-generational tradition of entrepreneurship in Westport you know, maybe it's the likes of that tradition and that uh, support and ethos and the positivity that will, you know, create our new set of entrepreneurs and, and pull us out of the COVID scenario pandemic. Um, so that's all very positive. And, and it's great to hear that, you know, living and working in such a beautiful part of the country is positive from an entrepreneurship point of view as well. I'm going can to finish I, um, off. Sorry, Go can ahead. I just make one point there, Mary? I actually think COVID has presented a massive opportunity for rural Ireland um, as long as there's broadband because the uh, before this, people would comment that we're based in Westport. People would comment like about where where are you based? Not, not really outside of Ireland, but in Ireland people would. And mm. now it's become absolutely normalised that people are working from anywhere. So I think there's a huge opportunity, A, for like rural towns to sit down and make a strategy to say, we want to encourage another 10 or 15 families to move to our town every year uh, because now people can work from anywhere for lots of types of businesses not all businesses but for many types of businesses and that can help regenerate lots of rural areas and then secondly from the individual entrepreneur perspective you know if people don't have to be 
um, beside the market anymore, especially if you're selling business to business, even if it's you're selling into the SME market. Like we run all of our sales processes. Before COVID, we ran 70 to 80% of our sales process online anyway, because our clients are global and their teams are distributed. Now we're running 100% of our sales process online. And it doesn't matter if it's that Silicon Valley company I mentioned, or it's the Washington DC company. Nobody even asks whether we're going to meet because they know we can't get in a plane, you know. So I think there's a far greater opportunity for people to set up businesses from anywhere as long as they have broadband and they can sell to anywhere. So it, there's no reason why we can't sell to the best companies in the world because we've built a solution that is disrupting the market. It's been recognized by Gartner and it's been adopted already by leading international companies. So there's no reason why those criteria can't also apply to loads of other unserviced market segments for other people anywhere in Ireland, whether it's in Galway or in Clare or Mayo or Sligo. There's, there's no reason not to do that. I totally agree, Fidelma. And pre-COVID, one of the issues that we found companies were facing was trying to source um, employees um, outside of, we'll say, in our instance, Galway City. And COVID has actually shown how working at home, you know, is very possible. And starting up a business and running it from home is very possible. So your, your, your points are well placed. And I think there is an opportunity there. And we need to capitalise it and make it work for our region because it needs that break and this could be you know something good to come out of something um as awful as covid okay i'm going to finish off for gentlemen this morning by just a quick fire questions okay just to get Hi, some <laughs> further insight into for mcgurk <laughs> okay um work we've just discussed this first one okay work from home or office blenders apple or windows Windows. Email or phone calls? Phone calls. Hard copy or soft copy? Soft. Microsoft Teams or Zoom? Teams. LinkedIn or Twitter? LinkedIn. And finally, and well deserved, tea or coffee? <laughs> Always a cup of tea. Okay. A well, tea pot, a pot of tea. <laughs> yes. You've certainly earned that. Thanks, Fidelma, for that very interesting insight into your company and your startup journey. I think there's so many relevant points for not just female entrepreneurs, but for rural located entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs establishing a, you know, a company that's attracting multinational interest. And it certainly is a fantastic um, uh, story. That's all from the Westwick podcast for now. But please join us for future startup podcasts and subscribe to us via podcast apps on Apple iTunes or Google.